scripture reading this morning is from Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The word of the Lord. All right. Good morning, everybody. Glad to be here this morning and sharing God's word with you, whether you're in person or watching us online. We are coming towards the end of our Leaning In series, and I've thoroughly enjoyed working through this scripture passage, the Sermon on the Plain with you and along with Pastor Mike. Um, And so I'm excited to come today to this passage about trees and, and fruit and what does that mean for our spiritual walk I, I love the idea of this series and the idea of leaning into these teachings of Jesus because it's asking for us to take Jesus at his word. Take him seriously. Don't just read these words, let them wash over you and move on with the rest of your life, but lean in, be interested in them and desire to hear what Jesus is teaching to us in these words and what he's teaching to us today. So hopefully today you'll be inspired to lean into Jesus in these, uh, these illustrations of trees and fruit. Some of you may know that Courtney, she's an occupational therapist. She studied for her master's degree in occupational therapy at San Jose State. And one time early on after she had moved down to San Jose, I went down to visit her. And I noticed that in near the house that she lived in, she lived in kind of the back half of a house that had been cut off, and there was another half up front where another couple lived, and there was a back house where another couple lived. But on the side of that property was an apricot tree. And one time when I went to visit her, that apricot tree was full of apricots. And there was fruit that had fallen to the ground, and it was all over. And I went to court, and I'm like, did you know there's an apricot tree like in your side yard? She's like, no, I... I never noticed it. So I went to her neighbors. I'm like, is anybody using that? Like, are you collecting the fruit? Like, no, it just falls to the ground and and rots. I'm like, you guys don't even eat this? This is crazy. I called my mom. I'm like, mom, how do you make jam? And so she kind of, you need to go to the store. You need to get the jars, get some pectin. And, you know, the whole process, I'm like, okay. So I ran out to the store, grabbed all that stuff, went to the side yard, collected as many apricots as I could find. And that afternoon, I I made jam while Courtney was in class. And she came home. I was like, I made jam. She's like, you're crazy. Why would you do that? I'm like, well, nobody was using the fruit in the side yard for anything. It was just falling to the ground and rotting. You had this beautiful apricot tree with all this good fruit on it, and it wasn't being used. It was crazy to me that nobody was using it or getting any benefit from that tree. A lot of good apricots are just falling to the ground, rotting, not giving any good to anyone. Like today's verse, it's easy for us to identify good trees. We can see the good fruit that it's producing. It's bright. It's beautiful. But if that fruit isn't used, It can just fall to the ground and rot, and then it's really not useful to anybody. 
Sometimes, though, it can be harder to identify bad trees that don't produce good fruit or any fruit at all. And sometimes we find out far too late that that tree has gone bad because it's fallen down. And every tree, plant or bush, produces based on where it is planted, what its roots can reach to, what its roots can get out of the ground, and what it can then store up inside of itself in order to produce a crop. A good tree can only be as good as what it takes in. And so today, through these verses that we've read today, I hope that you can hear this point, that being rooted in Jesus, our lives should produce good fruit out of the good that we store in our hearts and minds and for the benefit of others. So let's begin with this illustration of a tree that Jesus gives us, a tree and its fruit. No good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. If you haven't caught on already to the times you've heard me speak, one of my favorite things to do, especially when we're reading from the New Testament, is to take what we read of the New Testament and find where that might connect in the Old Testament, in the earlier part of our Bibles. So as we read through that and we hear about trees, we hear Jesus teaching about trees and, and fruit and thorns and thistles. Is there anywhere else in Scripture where we've heard about trees and fruit and the ground giving us thorns and thistles? Just go to page one. Page two, three, four, five. The story of creation, the book of Genesis. In the beginning... God created a good world full of good trees that produced good fruit. Genesis 1.12, the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then later in chapter 2, it says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now we know that God created this good world with these good trees and this good fruit in it for humanity to partake of and enjoy and walk with God in it. But the story we know doesn't end in very very happy ending. Something else happened. Instead of eating the good tree from the good fruit from the tree of life, Adam and Eve decided to choose for themselves what was good and bad. And they ate instead from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they ushered in a state of rebellion to God and a state of sin that was not good anymore. And then what happened? What did God say? happened as a response to that. In Genesis 3, verses 17 through 18, God starts explaining the curses that's going to happen to Adam and Eve and to the earth because of their choice. And he says to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all of the days of your life, and it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. 
So in the beginning, there was this good world that produced good fruit, but because of Adam and Eve's choice, the ground produces thorns and thistles instead. That's interesting. What might Jesus be trying to tell us today that's echoing this story as well? One of the writers of the early church, whose name was Bede, writes that, I think the thorns and brambles that Jesus is talking about here are the cares of the world and the prickings of sin. But the figs and the grapes are the sweetness of a new life. When we listen to Jesus, when we follow in his footsteps, when we become disciples of him and desire to live a life that echoes Jesus, we will produce good fruit that is filled with the sweetness of the new life, of the new creation, that echoes that good life God had intended for us to live in Eden. We will produce the fruit of the Spirit, like Paul gives us from Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But we have a choice, just like Adam and Eve did. We can make choices to live our lives out of step with Jesus, not in discipleship with him, out of step with this new life that God wants us to live in the world. Following in the footsteps of our ancient parents, we can choose to eat from the other tree, determining for ourselves what is good and bad, rather than relying on God to determine what is good and what is bad. When we are out of step with that, we will instead not produce the good fruit that God wants us to produce. We'll produce thorns and thistles in our lives. We'll produce evidence of the curse of sin in the world. Thorns and thistles not only are hard to work with, having moved up here, I've noticed there's lots of blackberry bushes all over the place. And any of you know, taking black bushes off of your property is not fun. Those thorns and thistles are hard to work with, and they can definitely rob us a bit of our joy, right? Hannah had her last soccer game a couple weekends ago, and Aurora was there, and she was playing soccer with one of her schoolmates that she met, and they were kicking a soccer ball around. All of a sudden, she runs up. She's like, Daddy, Daddy, we can't get our ball. I'm like, oh, where'd it go? Oh, we kicked it up into that blackberry bush up on the hill. Can you go get it for us? I did. But the ball going into the blackberry bush, they didn't want to go in there. They didn't want to go where the thorns were. They were playing a game that suddenly ended because the ball had gone into some thorns and thistles. It robbed them of their joy. It was a bit of a buzzkill for them. Living our life in such a way that doesn't produce the good fruits of the Spirit that God wants us to produce that instead leads to producing thorns and briars, which are obvious and not fun for life-giving to be anyone around, when we choose to not live live the way that God wants us to live, the good way in the world will produce thorns and thistles instead of fruit, instead of the beautiful figs and grapes that God wants us to produce, to be fruitful people and members of his kingdom. Of course, A tree doesn't just produce fruit on its own, though. It produces something based on where it is, where its roots go. If we're to produce good fruit, we need to be placed in good soil and take good things into our heart. Jesus continues, he says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. 
For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Like the blessed person, as we read in the responsive reading today in Psalm 1, that person delights in the law of the Lord. They meditate on it day and night. And because of that, they are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. We need to be planted in a good place so that we can take good things into the storehouses of our hearts and minds so that we can produce good fruit. Because of, it's what's stored up in our heart that Jesus said here that when we speak, when we talk, Jesus will know, people will know what we're all about because of what's inside of us. There's this fancy word, if, if you drink wine at all, that describes where wine comes from. It's a French-based word called terroir, T-E-R-R-I-O-R, terroir. And when you're talking to somebody and they're talking about wine, they will often say, this wine came from a good terroir, and they'll explain the details about it. And that can explain the characteristics of where that grape came from, its soil, the climate in the region, what was the weather like when those grapes were produced, how did the people take care of the grapes? What did they do? All of that goes into the grape itself to make that wine taste distinct. And people will spend all sorts of money taking classes so that they can determine where a specific wine came from. Did that come from France? Did that come from America? Did that come from Burgundy in France? Did that come from somewhere in South Africa? Just by tasting it, they can tell where that wine came from. By the fruit that you produce and who you are as a person and what you bring out of the storehouses of your heart, can people tell where you come from? Can people tell the terroir that you were raised in? Can people tell that you belong to Jesus? Can people tell that you are part of the church? Can people tell that you are steeped in the word of God? And can people tell that you are living a redeemed life by what you bring out of the storehouses of your heart, by the fruit that you produce? My favorite early church father, John Chrysostom, wrote kind of on the negative side about this, determining who people are by what comes out of their mouths. He says, For it is a natural consequence when wickedness abounds within that wicked words are breathed as far as the mouth, and therefore... When you hear a man uttering abominable things, do not suppose that there lies only so much wickedness in him as is expressed in his words, but instead believe that the fountain to be more copious than the stream. Believe that the fountain, what's deep inside, is more copious than the stream, what you might see on the outside. So if you get even a hint of bad, What's inside might be worse. But of course, the alternative, the positive, is just as much true as the negative. If you get even just a hint of good, you can believe that what's inside is far greater than that hint. Often when we're talking about good and and great things and great service to the church, we look for the big examples Sadly, some people might look too often to me or Pastor Mike standing up here is like, oh, you guys are doing great things for the church. 
That's true. We're doing our best. But to me, the best servants and the biggest examples of how God has changed somebody's life is those who serve in the very tiny things, the little things, the things that don't get noticed. My favorite servant at the church I grew up in was the lady who came in on Monday morning when nobody was there and cleaned the pews, made sure that everything was clear. She didn't want recognition. Anytime we tried to make her like a seasoned member of our church or something like that, she said, no, 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 no. I don't want any recognition. I just, I just do this because I love God and I love this church. I don't need it. The fountain for her was more copious than the stream. The little example that she gave told me that the storehouses of her heart was filled to the brim with Jesus. And that out of the little things that she did, we saw the fruit that she produced. Out of the treasury of the heart, Jesus says, what you keep, what you store, what you hold dear in your heart, that's what the mouth speaks from. It's what's deep inside us that forms us. It's what we've pulled in from the terroir of where we've planted that goes up into our hearts and minds like a tree's roots pull in water and nutrients from the ground. That's what will determine the goodness and health of who we are as Christians and the usefulness of the fruit that we produce. So what are some ways that we can do this? What would be some points of application? Well, first of all, I would say don't let good fruit rot. Don't be like that apricot tree sitting on the side of Courtney's house in San Jose letting the fruit drop to the ground and not become useful. Literally, in the, the translation of the word that Jesus uses here, bad, for bad fruit or bad tree, is rotten. It's gone bad. It's gone sour. It's not useful for anything anymore. A tree does no good to just sit there. It doesn't do us any good to just sit here. We can sit here, talk about Jesus all day long, sing praise songs, pray, love Jesus as much as we want right here. But that fruit will fall to the ground right here and rot. Because the good fruit needs to be picked. The good fruit needs to be used. It needs to be given away and used for the benefit of others. Yes, we need to come here. We need this to be the terroir that we put our roots down in, that we infuse Jesus into our lives, that we bring the good of God's word stored into our lives here on Sunday morning or in Bible studies, wherever that is. But we need to take that fruit out. We need to go share it with other people. It's been a good example this past week because there's been fruit that's magically appeared in the office. Some giant pears, apples, And it's awesome to bless people that way. And that's what we need to do with the fruit that God is growing in our lives. It's easy, though, when we read this to point out at other people, though. They're the ones doing bad fruit. They need to to work on themselves. Maybe some of you are getting a bruised side because somebody's elbowing you a little bit today. That Oh, you need to to work on that a little bit more. But where the work really needs to start Commentator Daryl Bach says, The primary intent of all of this teaching of Jesus is self-examination, not the examination of others. 
We need to take a careful look at ourselves and the fruit that we're producing. Jesus is talking directly to us as individuals. So how can we be better good fruit producers? How can we have more fruit and ample fruit to take out and share with the world? Some examples of things that I would give you, first of all, is service to others. I talked about the lady at my old church who would just go around and and clean the pews. That was service. That was the way that she served the church and served others. We've been blessed by the service of others lately, of those who showed up with food at our door while Courtney has been down and, and sick. That's one way you can serve others. We've got the Santa shop opportunity where you can come and volunteer and serve the needy children in our neighborhood who want to be able to bless their families with good gifts. That is a way that we can produce good fruit in our lives. Another way is just by practicing gratitude. Find things in your life to be grateful for and thankful for. Maybe write it down in a journal. If you're part of a life group, share it with a life group. One of the best things we do at staff, at the beginning of staff meetings, is we share evidences of grace. Where have you seen God at work in your life? What are you thankful for that God is working in your life? An often overlooked thing to do is exercise. Get out. Walk. Run. Clear your head. Get some space. Don't let it all stay inside. You move your body you'll be in a better place to serve others and produce fruit. Pray. Sounds easy. Pray more. But like Jesus has talked about before, some good fruit we can produce is by praying for our enemies. Praying for those who trouble us. Or maybe pray in silence. Don't use any words. Kind of a side advertisement for my silence and solitude retreat come and participate in that of course study the bible read some devotionals participate in small groups or be a part of the other bible studies that we offer get into god's word so that you have no other choice than to let it bleed out from who you are to produce good fruit in your life and one of the greatest blessings for me that i think we've overlooked from the creation and that is caused to produce thorns and thistles in our lives is just rest. Take opportunities to rest. We're going through a season right now where the trees are literally resting. They're throwing off their leaves. They're going into a space where they won't produce anything that seems good. But why do they do that? so that they can have the energy to produce the good fruit that they need later. If you just produce fruit all day long, 24-7, that's exhausting. And the trees know it. So you need to go to times to rest and relax. Have a Sabbath like God encouraged us and intended for us to do from the beginning. And finally, after going through all these things, take some time of self-reflection. If you lash out at somebody, or if you're angry at somebody, or if you feel like, oh, I produced some more thorns and thistles there than some fruit, think about it. Why did I act that way? Right? Angry? Was I upset? Am I scared? Am I nervous? Am I just hungry? Do I need something to eat? 
But taking that time to look inside and see where you can grow and where God can work on your heart and minds leads us to produce good fruit in the future. One of the houses that we lived at, we had this giant tree in the backyard. Big, beautiful ash tree. And we decided one time that it was, we should get it pruned so we can, you know, it can grow and continue to be a big, beautiful ash tree. So we had the tree guy come out and he looked at it, he cut some stuff off and he came in and he goes, ah, I've got some bad news for you. That tree is one giant tree trunk and then two giant branches that split off from it. He goes, it's starting to split down the middle. That tree is bad. It's diseased and it needs to come down. Now, those two giant tree limbs didn't actually go over our house directly, but they went over our neighbor's houses. I'm like, well, we could just let that tree go, and at some point, those branches would fall and that, and that tree would die. We ended up cutting it down and having all of these stacks of wood in the backyard, and ironically, that house we had didn't actually have a fireplace. And let me tell you something, if you want to have a giant party at your house at about 6 in the morning, advertise free firewood on the internet. People will show up. But we had to take that tree down or else it was going to cause some damage. Matthew, when he's also telling about Jesus teaching this, he concludes with this verse. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Thorns, thistles, bad trees, diseased trees have little value. And ultimately, they need to be cut down because not only can they hurt others, but we can hurt ourselves. And that is not God's intention for the creation. Those things will need to be removed. But the better image than a tree being burned down and being cut that God desires for us to step into, that God wants us to live in the world, is the image that he gives us at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. We find there a tree just like the tree at the beginning of Genesis. Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river and the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, and no longer will there be any curse. No longer will there be thorns and thistles, for the tree will constantly produce good fruit. When we choose to produce good fruit, when we eat from the word of God, when we follow Jesus, we are producing good fruit like the tree of life. We are choosing to live a life that echoes the tree in Genesis and echoes the tree in Revelation and ultimately echoes the tree smack dab in the middle of the scriptures, the cross. Living a life of sacrifice, not for ourselves, but for others and for God and for Jesus. We, when we live that way, we produce good fruit that is beneficial for all and helpful for the healing of the nations, living into that promise with the ultimate hope that there will no longer be any curse. So hopefully through this, this scripture today and this message, you've seen 
that being rooted in Jesus, our lives should produce good fruit out of the good that we store in our hearts and minds, and that it is ultimately and always for the benefit of others. Amen? Amen. Try 